you, can you spoil a movie that's 40 years old? Is that okay? I, I think you can, right? So we all know the, the scene, right, where Luke, who is someone who grew up not knowing his parents, is trying to, you know, save the universe, and he's fighting against the, uh, the villain, Darth Vader, and Darth Vader says to him, Luke, I am your father, right? Yeah. So we, we see that scene and we watch it, and um, it's shocking, right? We're like, whoa, what just happened? A friend of mine um, just showed uh, that movie to the first time to his kids and videotaped them during that scene, and they were just like, what? But we don't respond by saying, well, who cares? What does it matter that he's his father? Uh, he's a villain. Let's, you know, he, Luke should just do whatever he can do to keep him from blowing up more planets, right? Um, who cares? What does it matter that they're related? Um, we don't respond like that because we know that, that actually who our father is matters. There's something about how God has made us that we know it matters who your father is. Think about the, uh, the spectacle of those uh, daytime talk shows, Maury or Jerry Springer, when they, they have the paternity test to find out who, who's the daddy, right? And behind all of the, you know, um, excitement of those shows, there's a real need to know who is the father. It matters who your father is. And so when Luke in Star Wars finds out that Darth Vader is his father, it completely changes his whole world. And he has to figure out who he is and what he's going to do. Now, this idea of fatherhood, it's not just something that we've kind of made up in our culture or something that we've sort of arrived at. Um, The scriptures, the Bible teaches us that God actually came up with this idea. So in Ephesians, it says, um, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What it's saying is every father in earth, every family on earth gets its meaning what it means to be family, what it means to be father from God the Father, and from his family. It started with him. And so at the very beginning of Genesis, we see God creating a man and a woman in his image. And God made it so that when a man and a woman forsake all others and cling to one another in marriage, that they have children. And those children are born with a male parent, a father, and a female parent, a mother, and they're born as sons and daughters. This is how God set it up. It's how he made it. And he did that to reveal something about himself to us. Because he, he made us like that in his image so that we could look around and see fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and learn something about who God is. Not only learn something about who he is, but learn something about what his plan for this whole world is. So for the next uh, four weeks, this week and three more, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a part of the family of God. This week, we're going to talk about God as father. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about marriage. And whether you're married or not, the the symbol of marriage is given to all of us to teach us something about God. Then we're going to talk about what it means to be a member in the family of God. And finally, we're going to talk about what members in the family of God look like. Well, they're full of love. They're, they're a loving family. So I hope uh, you can join us over the course of these uh, next weeks 
as we uh, dive into this idea of the family of God. Now, we're talking today about God as Father and about Jesus as Son. That's what we see in our passage. But later on in this series, we'll also be talking about the profound images that the Bible has for us of mother and of daughter and how that reveals God's love to us as well. But it matters who your family is. It matters who your father is. So I want to look at three things this morning. Um, God as the father, the family of God, and the favor of God. So father, family, favor. In our Luke passage this morning, we see this picture of God in the fullness of the Trinity. The Father is there speaking words from heaven. The Son is there, Jesus being baptized. And the Holy Spirit is there as a dove. It's this picture of the, tri- the Trinity. And, and right here at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, it starts right here. We're seeing this picture of the relationship between the Father and the Son. And it's the Spirit that makes that relationship possible. Um, One of the uh, writers and thinkers about Christianity that I like to read, his name is J.I. Packer. He's an Anglican thinker. And he says this, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. That's what it means to be a Christian, to have God as Father. He goes on to say different religions have different names for God. They refer to God in different ways, but the Christian name for God is Father. Now, everyone has personal experiences with the idea or a person who is your father. Um, And whether you had a father or you didn't have a father or your father hurt you, Um, we all have our own collections of emotions and feelings and experiences around fatherhood. And maybe you would say, I had a wonderful father, and it's exciting to think that God is like that, only even better, even greater. Um, Maybe you would say, my father disappointed me in this way and in this way and in this way, but I know that God the Father will never disappoint me. Or maybe you would say, I haven't really had a father, um, but I'm so grateful that God is my father. You see, in this passage, Jesus begins the revelation of God the Father. He begins to show us what it means to have a father. Jesus couldn't have had the earthly ministry he is about to have, and we're going to walk through that as we walk through Epiphany and see Jesus beginning to heal people and beginning to Um, do miracles and teach. We're going to walk through his death and his resurrection. He couldn't have done that without the relationship he had with the Father. And so Jesus teaches us what it means that God is our Father. He shows us. And it begins when Jesus hears the voice of the Father to the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. See, we were all made to experience this blessing of God. We're all made to experience the blessing of the Father. But throughout history in various cultures in various ways, we've we've come up with um, hundreds of ways to mess up family, to mess up fatherhood, and to walk away from God, our Father. 
He created us to be his children, but we have rebelled against his fatherhood. We have rejected his fathering. Um, Can you think of moments when you've rejected someone fathering you, when you've said, you know what, I don't need your help, I don't need your advice, I don't need your guidance, I've got this on my own, I can take care of it, Um, I'll be just fine, I don't need you to tell me how to drive or how to live or how to use my money. We've all, we all have that urge, right? That broken, fallen urge to reject fathering. But we were not made to reject it and to miss out on the blessing of the Father. We were made to receive the blessing of the Father. And the good news of this passage is that right here, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see God's heart to restore that blessing to us, to restore us to his family. How can we be part of the family of God? How can we receive once again the blessing of the Father? Jesus shows us right here. Jesus is baptized. Now, we know from earlier in this story that this baptism was representing repentance, saying, I've walked away from God and I've sinned. And so this baptism here was a forgiveness of sins. But we know that Jesus didn't sin. He had nothing to repent of. So why is he being baptized? He's not being baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. He's being baptized as a foreshadowing, as a a hint, as a a trailer of what's to come, that he is going to provide the forgiveness to our sins. That through his death on the cross, the going down under the waters, he is going to be buried for our sin. And he is going to die for our sin. But then coming up out of the waters, he's going to be raised to new life in his resurrection. So right here we see this this foreshadowing of how Jesus will bring us into the family of God so we can receive the blessing of God. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul describes this very idea. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united in him in a resurrection like his. Jesus has made a way for us to enter back into the family of God. And it's through adoption as his children. That is the metaphor that's used throughout the New Testament, that we are adopted as children with God. And what that means is that we have the same relationship with God the Father that Jesus has. That everything that Jesus and the Father experience in their relationship is now opened up to us. Romans again, this time chapter 8. We are God's children, and now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. That means that everything that belongs to Jesus by his right of being the only begotten son of God is now shared with us. That God loves us with the same love that he loved the son. 
that he lavishes upon us the same inheritance that belongs to Jesus. We share in the glory, the throne, the Holy Spirit, and the eternity of God because we are now fully adopted children. And several families um, at City of Light have adopted children, and I hope many more families will be called to that as well. And when you adopt a child, you do it by choice. No one makes you take this child into your home. It's a choice. So J.I. Packer again says, similarly, God adopts because he chooses to. He had no duty to do so. He need not have done anything about our sins except punish us as we deserved, but he loved us. So he redeemed us, forgave us, took us as his sons and daughters and gave himself to us as our father. We can't earn a place in God's family. He invites us in through his grace. We walked away from his family. He comes after us to to bring us back in. The entrance, the practice of adoption is right here. It's the waters of baptism. Dying to yourself just as Jesus died, dying to your way, admitting your need, admitting your sin, being washed clean by the power of the Holy Spirit, being surrounded by that water, immersed in the ocean-deep love of God the Father, being filled by by the deluge of the Holy Spirit coming down, God is our Father. He invites us into his family so that he can show us his favor. Not favor like a party favor or favor like I did something nice to you. Um, My daughter Nora likes to ask me to do things that she's perfectly capable of doing herself, like getting a glass of water or or something. And and I'll say, honey, you you can get yourself a glass of water. You're almost seven. And she says, dad, it's just a favor. Just a favor, not that kind of favor. Blessing. It's just that blessing doesn't start with F, so you would never remember it. Blessing. Some translations call it delight. This is my son in whom I'm delighted. The favor of God the Father is the smile of God the Father. The warmth and acceptance and love that there's no place he would rather be and no one he would rather be with than you that you make him smile and laugh, that, that all of this, everything that he made is just so that he can enjoy you and me. That's what the blessing of God the Father means. And it's so essential that the church for centuries has ended every service with a blessing so that we remember the delight of God in us. And it's so essential that when it's missing, in a child's life, that child cannot function. I was meeting a few weeks ago with a leader of a ministry that helps churches come into schools and mentor uh, children in those schools. And we're praying and planning about how we can do that here 
at Hill Elementary. And she said that kids who've experienced trauma, whether because of a broken home or unavoidable experiences, they go into survival mode. And, and the language learning centers of their brain just shut down. And they, they just cannot learn, especially language. And we have schools full of kids in survival mode, unable to process, unable to learn, and it sets them back for their entire life. But she said the turning point, the difference maker in these kids' lives is if one adult outside their family for one hour a week will spend time with them, will we'll bless them with the blessing of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. That turns the corner for these kids because we were made to receive the blessing of a parent, of a father. And whether you are a biological parent and you have biological children of your own or adopted children of your own, or whether you are a spiritual parent, because God calls every one of his children to spiritually parent other children. An essential part of that parenting is blessing, is that your children know that you delight in them, that you love them, that you affirm them, that you enjoy them the way that God enjoys all of us. What does the favor of God look like? Well, I was watching a movie with Bonnie, I think it was last year. Um, it's called About Time. And um, it's the other Rachel McAdams movie about time travel. Um, and it's got some parts in it that you might find objectionable. Um, so I'm not necessarily endorsing it. But there's this beautiful scene near the ending I want to tell you about. Um, but let me set it up for you. It begins when uh, Tim... Uh, learns from his father that all the men in their family can travel in time. Um, they go into a dark place, and they think of a memory that they want to travel to, and then they're transported back into their body from that memory, and now they get to live that memory another time. And the rules are they can't change world events, um, but they can relive and even alter some of the details of their life. So that's kind of the rules of the world of this movie. So Tim begins to travel in time and, you know, rewrite embarrassing social situations, um, help a friend's uh, career avoid uh, getting ruined, um, help his sister get out of an abusive relationship and get free from an addiction. Um, then him and his wife, played by Rachel McAdams, they have a child, and he learns from his dad that once you have a child, you can't go back into a memory before the child came or else it could change whether that child happened. So you can't go back farther than your child. Um, he learns at that same time that his dad has cancer and only has a few weeks to live. Um, his father passes away, but after the funeral, he's able to go back in time and, and keep visiting his father. And so they play table tennis together, they talk, they read, they just spend time together back in time. Then one day, Tim's wife gets pregnant, which means that once they have this child, he won't be able to go back in time to keep visiting his dad. He'll have to say goodbye for the last time. And, uh, man, this scene gets me every time. So Tim goes back uh, one last time, 
and he gives his dad a hug and says, this is the last time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see you. And he says, is there anything I can do for you? And his dad gets a twinkle in his eye and says, well, how about, how about we go for a walk? And they go into a dark place, and his father thinks of a memory. And his father takes them both back into that memory, one of his favorite memories. And you see um, Tim and his father walking hand in hand along a beach, but Tim's now a little child, maybe seven or eight years old. And his dad's not old and dying of cancer. He's young and he's strong and he's full of life. And they spend the day running and laughing and playing along the beach, spending the day together, just enjoying one another. And for that day, there's no time, there's no death, there's no end. There is only the full love and blessing between father and son, between parent and child. As a little child, Tim's able to fully receive and believe and accept the fathering and the favor of his dad. And his dad's there only because he wants to be with him and he loves him and he delights in him. That's why they're there. They sit together on the shore and they hold each other and the sun sets and the favor of the father rests on the son. That reminded me of this passage we read from Luke where right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see the heart of the father to rest his favor on every one of his children, every son and daughter. You see, the, the future before every adopted child of God is an eternity of love. The future for every adopted child of God is an eternity of love. That, that God went through the pain of the cross because of the joy before him of being with us in this life and in eternity. That when we pass through the waters of baptism, we are raised up into the favor of God, up into the blessing of the Father. He surrounds us with the ocean of his love. We are immersed in his delight in us. And throughout our life, he continues to speak his blessing to us, to teach us how to receive the favor of the Father, how to live into the family of God. And on that, that final day in our future, when we pass through the waters of death, we will be raised onto the bright shores of a far country into the eternal favor of God. Not with the sunset, but with the sunrise, we will meet our true Father. Finally, being able to fully trust Him, fully accept His blessing, fully enter into His delight in us. And beside him, Jesus, our brother. And then all around us, a family filled with brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins from across time and across uh, geography throughout the whole history that God has been bringing together into his family, into an eternity of love. And that moment, 
that moment on the shores of paradise, on the, on the banks of heaven, that is what God is doing. That is his design. That is his goal. That is what he is bringing us toward. His whole heart, his whole power, all of his goodness and love is aiming for that moment. That's what he wants more than anything. And that's what we want more than anything in the deepest parts of our hearts, to experience that. God invites us into his family and he gives us the step to take. Believe and be baptized, every one of you. To all who received him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And some of you need this morning to believe and be baptized. And some of you need to come back to a baptism that you have walked away from. God will never walk away from you. He invites you back into his family. Some of you need to bring your children at the right time to the waters of baptism so that the fatherhood of God can be ministered to them sacramentally so they can experience in the waters the favor of the Father. As we celebrate baptism now, may the waters of baptism wash over you. May you experience the favor of God our Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.